Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us, we want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Windham, Maine, and Cody Paulson coming to us from Houston, Texas by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Cody, since you're the first or the newest host, where can we find you on Twitter and how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, loving all this baseball that we get to watch now. You can find me. You can yell at me. Uh, you can interact with me on Twitter at the Cody Paulson. Excited. Throw some, throw some takes at me. Let's interact. Right on. Great. Thank you. Welcome. And Terry, where can the fans find you? And how are you, sir? I'm doing well. They can find me at Cushman MLB. And then the podcast account is at Bastards underscore Boston. That's probably the more entertaining account of the two, but... Got my uh, heart rate down to uh, a normal uh, baseline after a dicey eighth inning, and I and Donaldson made the uh, ninth inning uh, a little interesting. So, get into all of that. Absolutely. Well, since you just started talking about Donaldson, let's talk about this American League Championship Series. The uh, Yankees look deflated. They're down two games to none. Uh, not one of our hosts and our uh, our filler, uh, Mark. All, all of us said Astros are winning this one. Yankees look done. The Yankees have won just as many championship series games as the Boston Red Sox, who aren't even in the playoffs. What is your big takeaway so far, Terry, from the first two games? So you just mentioned Donaldson. Yeah, well, you got Donaldson on one side who can't hit the ball. You got Altuve on the other who now has the all-time uh, worst playoff streak I think it's 0 for 24 at this point so each team has a key guy struggling but it seems like this whole playoff run both sides of the bracket American League National League teams are just living and dying by pitching and living and dying by the home run you know you had Bregman tonight and you know not this was the first game I think the Yankees broke a uh, 25 game streak or so um, in the postseason uh, by not having a home run tonight. So uh, they're they're struggling, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Valdez tried to give it back with uh, you know a, an error on a comebacker, but it's uh, it's been interesting. The games have been close, though. We will say that. You're on mute, Charlie. Sorry. Uh, so uh, thank you for that. Cody, anything in particular that you've noticed from the first couple of games? Any key takeaways? Yeah, I mean, for a New York team that has been through what they've been through the last couple of days, for them to come down to Houston and and show up and even be competitive in these couple of games, I think says a lot to, to the way that they're constructed. But at the same time, if I'm New York, I'm real bummed, right? You're really hoping to maybe steal one of these games. You're in both of them. You put pressure late uh, in, in both games. You had an opportunity to, to maybe take one. 
And Houston has historically started slow in series. And to see them come out to a 2-0 lead is is not something that would make me feel good if I was rooting against them, right? You know, obviously last year um, in the ALCS, Boston jumped out to, to an early lead and, and couldn't shut the door on them. And, you know, Houston is – we saw it in, in the Mariners series as well, right? They were sleepwalking through that first game until – Jordan went deep off of Robbie Ray. Um, you know, it's as as a as a Sox fan, obviously, you love to see the Yankees kind of lick their wounds and, and take their beatings. Um, I haven't seen a team strike out as much as the Yankees have in a long time. They're just not putting together good at bats, and you know, maybe they find something with that rest day, and and they can look at some film or you know, just take a different approach at the plate or something, but they're not putting themselves in position to to make plays, right? Like you put a ball in play, uh, Framber throws it away there, and, and you know, now you're cooking, right? But if you strike out 17 times in a game, I, you know, I forget what the official number was was from tonight, you, you just take your own offense off of the field. Um, you know, I think both players had some insane streak of, of consecutive batters um, retired, right? Verlander was going against his own record for most consecutive strikeouts in a championship series. I think he retired 11 or 12 straight and, and Framber was doing the same. Um, you know, Framber's a guy too. You, you watch him pitch and you're not blown away by any of his stuff, but he does so good of getting ahead of the count and, and mixing up his pitches and keeping you on your toes. You know, he doesn't have that gas that's going to, going to blow you away. And he doesn't have the knee buckling curve, say like, you know, like a Kershaw or a Koufax. And obviously you know, these are hall of famer guys, but um, he still had eight or nine strikeouts, I think it was tonight, um, and a lot of weak contact. So, you know, as, as the sh- series shifts back to New York, you really got to hope that, uh, that Cole and Nestor can, can write the ship for New York. If you want a competitive series, um, you know, I picked Houston in six, um, hopefully it's quicker. I would love to be wrong with the number. You both brought up some really great points. I think, uh, you know, to, to put into perspective, 17 strikeouts was game one for the Yankees. They struck out 17 times. Game two, they've struck out 13 times. They struck out more than half the times that they've had an opportunity to put the ball in play or get an out. 30 strikeouts out of 54. That's abysmal. That's insane. And when you put that into perspective with the fact that Jose Altuve, after tonight's action, 0 for 3, 0 for 24. Crazy thing about him, he's got the second most home runs in postseason history behind Manny Ramirez, which is insane to think about it. I I mentioned this in the last show. The Yankees have had the third highest payroll at opening day, uh, I believe, for this year. And they are just looking lost. It does not help when you face Justin Verlander, who's supposed to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. I know that's Terry's favorite non-Red Sox, so we have that as he smiles and laughs a little bit. He gets to relish that one. Yeah, he's my uh, guy. He's his guy. That's his guy. And then Framber comes out there, Mr. 25 consecutive quality start games this year. The amount of work that he did this year almost matched the work that he did the prior two years. Framber Valdez is so underrated. I actually think... Framber Valdez may be my Cy Young pick next year. I, I picked a couple of wild ones. This year I went with Dylan Cisse, and I, I don't think I'm going to win it, but I think I'm going to come close. I really like what the Houston Astros have done with him. 
it's kind of hard to hate the Astros. I was FaceTiming uh, earlier with, with a couple people, and, and they said, why are you smiling? What are you smiling at? I said, oh, the Yankees are losing. They're like, you're smiling because that? I said, it's just incredible. Like, they just can't seem to get anything going. Uh, Matt Carpenter, we all thought he was going to be the answer as far as, like, for the Yankees, as far as that was concerned, for pinch hit at bats. That check swing strike three in the ninth inning, awful. Yes, it was a check swing, and yes, it was a strike, but man, oh, man, that mixed in with the fact that Aaron Judge hit a deep warning shot at the wall play to right field. They're just not getting anything. And the Astros may end it in five. I think it's a possibility because the three of us all picked the Astros in six. Um, I think Andrew was four. Jason may have been five. Uh, either way, I mean, no one picked the Yankees to win this. They, they, they look lost. It's like Bambi on ice. It's just not a pretty sight. That's one of my favorite expressions. <laughs> it is. You got it in. <laughs> I, I got it in. I had to get it in one time. But this is just... It's a sad, sad situation. So that being said, Astros up 2-0. Terry, I'm going to let you go first. What do you think the Yankees need to do to at least make this a competitive series for the next two, three games? It's going to be hard. I mean, I, I think realistically we're, we're going to continue to see some relatively low-scoring games. I mean – it's 30 strikeouts from the Yankees so far compared to eight with the Astros and Donaldson and Carpenter have 10 of the 30 strikeouts. You look at that bottom of the Yankees order or, or even from the middle of it. I mean, Donaldson's in the, in the sixth spot tonight and uh, was in the five spot in game one, but you got Donaldson, Peraza, Carpenter, Bader is the only guy, although he did lead off in the second game, but hit uh, looked like seventh or eighth in the first game. That whole five through nine is not doing anything with the Yankees. So they need to get some production out of that part of the order. And if they don't, you you got to rely on bombs from, from Torres, Judge, Rizzo, and Stanton. And, and you have been seeing that a little bit this postseason, but it's just not enough. So they have to find a way to um, at least get on base for when those bigger bats come up. And other than that, I mean, starting pitching and the bullpen have been fine for the Yankees. I thought Severino was going to get lit up tonight because he can't handle the postseason and he pitched fine. So it's, it's an anemic offense. I think the Astros are, are dangerous enough. They they had runners on base more often tonight and had that goofy Alvarez pickoff that probably cost them a run or two that inning because, y- you know, there were two outs, but they, they added a couple of base runners, and I forgot who it was had an infield fly, but, but I it's hard for me to envision the Yankees winning this at this point w- without – that bottom half of the order, um, you know, being productive. So, absolutely, uh, Cody. Yeah, um, man, I got to stop saying that when I come on on the mic. Otherwise, it's going to become uh, a drinking game. 
But we've we've pretty much seen the Yankees turn into the Guardians, right? You have the top order, top half of the order that's that's really producing, and then once it gets to four, five, or six, we'll call it five or six. It's really just easy outs. Let's flip it over. Let's get back to the top. Um, and you know, there's nobody on base for for the Rizzo's or for the Stans or for the judges, unless you know it is um, a Bader or. Um, uh, a Torres, excuse me there, uh, had a little, little mind lapse. Um, for them, I think they just need to be a little bit more patient. I think they're they're kind of pressing all around. You know, they they felt the pressure of, of being this juggernaut team that had an in, incredible, um, potentially record-breaking first half of the season, carried it through a terrible August and still won the division. Um, you know, they're... They're a two seed that should be a one seed that didn't get it done, and now they're they're kind of feeling the weight of that, right? Um, you know, I think they're they're really fortunate with the rainouts and the way that the Guardian se- uh, series ended that they could push Cole and Nestor back. Because if you had Cole and Nestor and you still go down 0-2 in Houston, coming back to Tyon and um, Sevi, who knows what happens, right? This could be a 4-0 sweep. So, I, you know, if if I'm New York. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, we're bummed we're down 2-0, but it was almost expected. The series starts when the first away team wins a game, right? So you kind of just have to control what you can tr- control what you can control and, and take care of business at home, right? You've got your studs, you've got your horses, you've got your short porch, you've got your your park, you've got, you know, the home crowd. Things are lining up for you just because you're starting to get back on a regular baseball schedule. They played I think five games in six days in three cities or, you know, six games in seven days in three cities, whatever it is, that's, that's going to be tough on anybody. Right. You know, we don't like to make excuses. We don't like to give, give credence to, you know, other teams. If this was the Sox, if this was the guardians, if this was the Astros, whoever it might be, it's still a lot to put on, on an organization, right? Like they're not getting the rest that they need. They're traveling, they're flying, you know, they're trying to recover, um, literally on the fly for for lack of better terms. So, you know, you get back into your routines, you get back into, you know, the comforts of your own home. And I think you you kind of hang your hat on that. I don't know if there's really anything that you need to look for in the lineup except for maybe more production at the bottom of the order, right? You know, Terry mentioned it, you mentioned it. They these have been close games. You know, it's not like they're getting their doors blown off, you know, by five, six, seven runs. It's, you know, a bounce here, a bounce there, putting the ball in play, putting pressure on on the Astros to make mistakes. And, you know, Yankee Stadium gets loud as as anybody. And, you know, who who can handle it in the postseason? And I, I think that's what we're going to have to to wait and see for. Real quick, uh, the stat for the five through nine hitters uh, through two games, three for 32 with one run driven in. That's the Yankees. And you can't live on that. If you're the Astros right now, this is why I think the series is going to go back to Houston one way or the other. Houston's controlling this series. You have two games to none. Do you want to win this series in New York and, and kind of embarrass them there? Sure, you could do that. Or you could bring the glory back to Houston in Houston. The Yankees have Garrett Cole and Nasty Nestor up against Lance McCullers, and I think it's Christian Javier for 3-4. I give the Yankees the edge in the first two. I don't know if they're going to be able to win. I don't think the Yankees have a chance of winning all three. 
I don't think this is, you know, the Yankees, Arizona, 2001 world series where the home team won every game. I don't see that happening where it went two, three, two. I think the Yankees end up winning two out of three. They're going to have to figure out how to hit. I think that Jose Altuve is definitely going to break out of this slump because if he doesn't, holy crap, that's insane. But it cannot continue to fall on two or three people's shoulders. You have only been able to get runs across by way of a home run. Like that's, you cannot live on that. It's unacceptable. Anthony Rizzo has a ridiculous amount of pressure on him. Why? You have Bader on there who did nothing. Harrison Bader, who looks like a completely different human being, had a solo home run. And then um, for the second game, uh, Rizzo had an RBI. I missed the second one. Um, I had to look. I just had to look it up. So Torres had an infield single, and that knocked in one. You're you're getting little dinky hits, but you need to have clutch play from the Aaron Judges. The Yankees have their very own Mookie Betts in the form of Aaron Judge, who is regular season gold and playoff like putty. It's just what is this? And he's had a couple of deep swings, but they put a ridiculous amount of pressure on certain players and they're not delivering. So the Yankees are going to have to flip the script when they go back to New York. I think they'll have the edge. The fans, I think, will definitely help. But man, oh man, this is not at all, I think, the Yankee series that they wanted. To, this is not the Yankee series they wanted to start out with. Down 0-2, that's not going to be fun. So that being said, what we're going to do is we're going to slide into the National League. Uh, oh, Cody, what you want to say one more thing? Uh, just uh, I just looked up the game times. The Yankees only get one night game at home. They have a, uh, I believe these are central time zones, a 407, a 607, and a 307 start for the next three games, uh, which, you know, as, as an, we'll call it an objective third party, I think favors Houston. Uh, you know, the earlier in the day you can play in Yankee Stadium, the better. Two of those are weekend games, but because um, right. of the off day tomorrow. Uh, just real quick as well before we do move on. So Nestor Cortez had one start this year against the Yankees. I think it was in June or perhaps early July. He only managed to go five innings, gave up five hits on uh, three earned runs. So he wasn't exactly lights out. You know, in that in that start, I'm uh, looking at Cole right now. I think he typically does pitch pretty well against Houston. Let's see. So he did have one start, and weirdly, he took the loss, but he only gave up one run over seven innings. So he had a a very good start. So historically, Houston has made pretty good adjustments on players after they have seen them and have been ready. It's not quite the robust offense because Altuve isn't hitting. They don't have Correa, even though Pena has kind of stepped in and and uh, been productive uh, as Correa's replacement. But you'd, you, you'd like to see some guys step up. So we'll see, uh, you know, if, if they've hit the analytics at all to, to figure out how to get on base with with Garrett Cole. For some reason, Cole always chokes against the Red Sox in, in big games, but but we'll see. We absolutely will see. Uh, moving right along into the Phillies and Padres 
this is a little bit of an interesting series so far. We've had a little bit of a split opinion on who's going to win. Some of us think it's going to be the Padres. Some of us think it's going to be the Phillies. Uh, Cody, since we started with you second, we'll start off with you. What are your takeaways so far from the first two games in the NLCS? I think this was one of the harder series to pick um, across the whole board. You look at the wild card, you look at the division series, the championship series. These are a lot of unknowns and a lot of, well, if they continue to do this, then things are going to go well for them kind of thing, right? And we've kind of seen it unfold that way in this series specifically. Um, the strength of, of Philadelphia is the ability to go yard, uh, to kind of drop a crooked number on you out of nowhere. And and they kind of did that in game one, right? They won 2-0. They got great pitching, which, you know, anytime you do that, that's house money. But both of their runs were, were solo home runs, right? And then you flip it over to San Diego and – and their strength is they just they're relentless they don't give up they don't go down um easily they don't get defeated they don't you know kind of sulk or or go away quietly and and you saw that in game two right you know Blake Snell kind of had a weird uh second inning gave up a four spot but then he continued to battle he gave the Padres a chance to to kind of claw back and you know obviously not putting up a a zero in the bottom of the second you know kind of hurts in terms of momentum but they put up a five spot in that fifth inning. And we've seen that time and again out of San Diego this entire postseason. So, you know, is that, I don't know if you can call that an identity per se, but this is the teams that we've seen so far throughout the postseason. So this, I think, is going to be one of the more exciting series to to go on. I believe I had Philly in six. Um, this could be, you know, a 3-3 back to, to San Diego for a game seven and who knows, right? Um, I think this is this is going to be one of the more fun series to, to pay attention to and to be a part of. Terry. The Phillies, I mean, let's face it, Zach Wheeler might be having one of the all-time great postseasons that you're ever going to see. The dude has just been nails. I don't know if he's even given up a an earned run so far this postseason. He didn't in his Philly start. Um, just the last guy you want to face. It just seems like an automatic win for the Phillies. And then in the second game, which I thought on paper looked very winnable for the Phillies because Blake Snell was starting and, you know, he's had his ups and downs the last couple of years with health and inconsistency and he's a lefty and the Phillies are were the number four ranked uh, offense against lefties in MLB this year. So just looks like a terrible matchup. And uh, the the Padres found a way to overcome everything. Uh, Snell had that kind of a wonky start with uh, some bad defense. The sun got in Soto's eyes and there were some bloopers in there that um, just were hit to into the, you know, shallow outfield and, and, you know, they were able to get on base and uh, put a few across the plate, but, but then the Padres started hitting home runs and the pitching settled in and, uh, so I think they were very fortunate to tie it up. I'm I'm pretty skeptical though on how the Phillies, uh, excuse me, how the Padres will play while they're in Philly. They obviously have to win at least one game while they're there, but that's an extremely hostile environment. It's a team that hasn't been there since since 2009. Pedro Martinez was starting games for them 
last time they made the postseason. Or wait, they did in 2010. I think I misspoke on that. So that was one year after the Pedro thing. But either way, it'd been over a decade since they had made it. And uh, yeah, and when you can put up six runs on Aaron Noah, <laughs> you know, that's the equivalence of stealing one because he's been lights out as well. So I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm not comfortable. I picked, I did take the, I think I took the Padres in six, but anything can happen in this, uh, in this series. It's been a toss up uh, in my opinion the whole time. Absolutely. Uh, to just reiterate what we all thought, Cody in six, you said Phillies would win that one. Uh, Terry flipped Padres in six, and I said Padres in seven. Wheeler's pitching out of his mind. Zach Wheeler and you Darvish picked, uh, pitched in games back-to-back in mid-May. They each threw seven innings, didn't allow a run. Zach Wheeler threw one of the best games of his life. Seven innings, one hit, just completely dominated. It was insane. Absolutely incredible. And to have the only two runs be on solo shots, it's just wow. And make no mistake, Kyle Schwarber, that home run, holy pancakes. As soon as it left the bat, you knew. And that's just, that's what you're going to get out of him. When the Phillies went up 4-0 in the second inning, I thought, oh, my God. It's over. It's done again because this is what happened against the Braves. They blew up, and they just never let off the gas. The Padres never cried uncle. They never screamed it. They wouldn't do it, not at home. And they ended up getting a couple of solo home runs and then slowly but surely chipped away. One runner at a time. Let's just try to get guys on base. Then they blew up for five in the fifth inning. And at that point, Philly looked completely overmatched. What's the X factor in the NLCS to me? You have Josh Hader in there. He's back. Josh Hader is so back, it's insane. The last three innings, he's struck out eight guys. His last earned run was September 5th. He has only allowed one run since August 31st. That's almost two months of baseball, and he's allowed one runner to score. And that one runner, i got to check to see if it was a home run. It was not a home run. But still, he's back. He's striking out literally everybody. Ten strikeouts in five and a third innings for the postseason. Only one hit allowed, one walk. There is no closer like Josh Hader right now. Out of the four teams that are left, Sorry, if you have Josh Hader against anybody else, I'm putting all my eggs and I'm stealing somebody else's eggs and I'm putting that in my basket for Hader too. He is so electric. And whatever he had earlier, the yips, whatever, this is the Padres now to lose. They are, they are so incredible. They have three relievers. I've said it twice, I think. Three relievers that can throw 100 miles an hour or more consistently. That's insane. You are not going to stop that. And if they have a lead of two runs, I don't expect the Padres to lose it. So they may let up a couple in the first couple innings, but the Phillies now know they need five or six runs minimum a game if they're going to even have a chance at winning. Because unless Zach Wheeler's going to pitch seven times, which it's not, there is no starter like Zach Wheeler. And Aaron Nola, who's supposed to be a star, got absolutely rocked. 
So both of them will have another opportunity. We'll see Wheeler and Nola again if there's a 6-7, unless we move them into 5-6, who knows. It's anybody's game. Uh, anything you guys want to add before we talk about what we're going to be looking for in game three through five? Cody, did you want to add? No? Um, all right, cool. So, Cody, since uh, we started off with you this time around, uh, we started with Terry last time, what do you think the Phillies are going to need to do and what do you think the Padres are going to need to do for the next three games to take a commanding lead in this series? I'm just pulling up the pitching matchups real quick. We have them. I'm sure Ra- Ranger Suarez is probably going to go next. Yes, yeah, so we only yeah, have I one. Yeah, Suarez, Musgrove. It's Musgrove and, and Suarez. I don't have time to pull up how. Um, I know Suarez gets rocked by lefty hitters, but I don't know how uh, Philly uh, does it. Oh, no. No, I had it backwards. I don't know how the uh, Padres do against them, but uh, face value, I, I think Musgrove's had a, a pretty impressive postseason so far. Um, I think for the Phillies to win these next three games at home, they're going to have to lean on that offense. That offense is going to have to feed off of that hostile crowd I was talking about. Harper's been pretty robust the whole time. Uh, Charlie, you mentioned the Kyle Schwarber home run. That was 488 feet. <laughs> Not uh, just a, what, 15 feet shorter than the, the Ted Williams home run, which was, what, 502 feet, something like that? <laughs> not not the same ballpark. I don't know, but, but it was insane. There's a seat there. But a crazy different, right. a crazy similarity when it comes to distance. So um, Schwarber's been uh, a postseason hero. I don't think he was the World Series MVP in, in 2016, but he did have a, a very good World Series um, so you, you've got some proven guys that, that have gotten it done in the postseason, and the Phillies are going to have to lean on them. I think the Padres is the, the most well-balanced team. I, I think they've got the best one through four. Um, Musgrove's going this time. I'm assuming it'll be Clevenger in game four. That'll get announced probably tomorrow or the next day. But, um... I think I think the Phillies probably do take two out of three in, in in Philly and the Padres will come home with their backs against the wall and and it's it's gonna be an epic series. One last nugget before I hand it over to Cody. Uh, the twenty let's see. It was the 2018 into 2019 offseason. Yeah, because after Machado struck out to us to give us the World Series, he went into free agency. That winter, it was Machado and Harper. They were the big fishes. And we were wondering if Harper would crack $400 million, and it didn't happen. And they ended up both being super late signings. Well, here they are facing each other in as high of a profile matchup as you can get because... You know, it's the National League, and it's impossible for them to face in the World Series, but here they are. So I uh, I, I created a meme, and it had the Back to the Future guys, and uh, the caption on it said, uh, hey, I just got back from 2032, because that's when Harper's contract expires, 
and uh, Harper and Machado never won a World Series. <laughs> but I, that, that me might be wrong <laughs> uh, at this point. Uh, you know, it, it could be. Yeah, yeah. So I got no ill will, and I've kind of I I hated both of their guts when they were free agents, and uh, I've softened up on both of them. I kind of respect Machado's leadership, as I've said in recent shows, especially when he when he got in Tatis's face last year uh, in the dugout to to straighten him out. And uh, with Harper, the thing that kind of won me over, he got hit in the face with a fastball uh, from a Cardinals pitcher. I forget the guy's name. And uh, Harper texted him that night and said, hey, man, no hard feelings. I know you didn't mean to hit me. And I just thought that was a cool thing to do, you know, because that dude was probably feeling like he was going to have like a mob hit put on him. I'm being I'm exaggerating, but he just, you know, nearly took out one of the most elite guys in the game. So anyway. Uh, it's just interesting that, you know, history is kind of converging here, uh, you know, in the series with both players. I'll say this much real quick. Uh, you, you know, for a fact, that wasn't Hunter Strickland that hit him in the dome. Uh, Hunter Strickland, him had that little brouhaha way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, if you guys don't remember that, that's, that's worth about eight seconds of your time. That wasn't this one though. This was a, no, it was car- not. yeah, it was a, I, it was a Hispanic, uh, pitcher from, uh, uh, he was on the Cardinals during that season. I have no idea where he is now. But right. I do remember uh, the Strickland drama. Yeah. Harper kind of missed on that swing. It was pretty bad. Uh, anyways, uh, Cody, go ahead. Uh, Harper might have thrown the worst helmet we've ever seen in that Strickland brouhaha. That was, yeah. <laughs> that was a bad look for his athleticism. Um, a couple of things just to, to respond to, to Terry there. Um, I, you know, it's it's been kind of incredible to see Manny Machado kind of mature before our eyes, right? You know, as, as he was starting what is a prolific career in Baltimore, we all hated his guts um, and, and kind of rightfully so, right? He was an uber talented guy that played the position well, that was a tough out, but man, he just, he just got under our skin. And, um, you know, as pretty as that swing is, boy, does it look good when it's striking out, especially in, uh, in 2018. Um, but uh, Charlie, to, to, to answer your prompt there, you know, I think for the Padres to kind of, you know, grab grab control of the series, they really got to jump on the starting pitching. Um, not that it's necessarily a weakness of the Padres per se, but it's the weakest of the links, um, in, in my opinion. You know, you look at that bullpen and they're putting up nothing but goose eggs, right? You're not even really getting any traffic on the bases. You're not getting any momentums. You're not getting long at bats. It's it's really a sight to, be, to behold. Um, and... On the flip side of that, right, it kind of goes hand in hand. If, if the Padres kind of want to take this um, away, it's it's the inverse, right? You know, trying to put together at least five somewhat clean innings. You know, you don't need the seven shut that maybe, you know, a Garrett Cole has to put up for, for New York um, in order to, to win a game. You just got to get it to the, to the sixth inning and then they can kind of shut it down from there. Um, Hater seems to have found his arm slot or, you know, whatever that mechanical fix might have been. Or, you know, maybe it was just, hey, we need the lights to be a little bit brighter. I don't, I don't know what it was for him, but it seems to have certainly clicked. And, you know, he was for the longest time there in Milwaukee, one of the best closers, if not the best closer in the game. Um, you know, I think he gets a little bit more attention if he was in a bigger market. But because he's in Milwaukee, you know, kind of a, a sleepy team that, you know, not a lot of people pay attention to, you don't really notice kind of how dominant that he was. Um, The Padres get production all over their team, top to bottom, 
rotation bullpen lineup, right? And you know, each guy, each day it's a different guy, right? I think in the ALDF, Cronenworth was was if you were giving MVPs to the DS, it was probably him. He was batting something insane, seemingly always came through in the clutch. Um, and you know, it seems like Soto's woken up a little bit here in in the uh, championship series, just you know, through two games, small sample size for sure, but. To get any production out of him is seemingly a bonus at this point, considering that you've been riding Machado for offense and, and Cronenworth. Um, and on the inverse, you know, for Philadelphia, Riamuto had a couple of big hits in the division series, but you're going to need him to continue to produce. I think Castellanos is batting 143. Like, uh, I think Terry mentioned that Harper has been swinging a hot bat, but outside of that, really, you know, Schwarber had that bomb, sure, but. You know, it's it's few and far between. We just need to see more more balls in play, more contact, um, stop swinging for the fences. Yeah, it's great to leave the yard if you can touch them all, but that's that's a fool's errand, in my opinion. I think you brought up you both brought up some really great points. I'm curious to see how Ranger Suarez does in this one because Ranger Suarez was all over the place. He walked five guys, struck out five. It wasn't a pretty performance for him the last time out. The key in my eyes here is that you're going to have to have some of the not marquee names do major work. If you're the Philadelphia Phillies, it cannot fall on Reese Hoskins, Kyle Schorber, and, and Bryce Harper every single time. You need to see Gene Segura do something. You need to see JT Realmuto be, you know, the regular season Realmuto. Castellanos has to wake up and Alec Bohm has to also wake up too. Like there has to be something else. It cannot just be those two guys every time. That being said, the Padres are looking a little bit better here. We already talked about the bullpen. We talked about Hader who found his arm slot, found himself. He's striking everybody. You come to the dish, you're going down by way of the K. If you're the Padres, it's the Manny Machado. And right now, Bryn Drury show. Soto still has just that one hit. Albeit it was, it was a important one because it, knocked in a, a run. It was an important at bat, but bell finally woke up. I don't expect Josh bell to do what he's been doing. What does that mean? That means that you need to find hitting in another spot. Profar was someone who everyone was a little bit kind of fear, fearing, not so much. Juan Soto. I'm still waiting for him to have his big game. He's still someone who I would expect to be walked. If you have the choice between walking Soto or Machado, you don't want to walk either. But if you have to walk one, you still hear Juan Soto. I still, if I had a choice between walking Soto or Machado, I would walk Soto, even though Machado's been hotter. I don't think Machado's going to stay hot. I don't think he's going to be able to continue this level of consistency. That being said, for what you said, Cody, great point. Cronenworth is going to have to wake up again. Drury and, and Josh Bell cannot just be the only guys getting hits outside of Manny Machado. So the offense is going to have to wake up. Pitching is going to have to be lights out for both of these teams because they both have boom potential. It's really anybody's series. If you picked six or six games for either team, I think you're genius because I really do truthfully think this series will go six. I went seven because I was a softie, but Six games in this series, I'd be shocked if it goes five. Shocked. Uh, anything else you guys want to add tonight? Uh, I've got something unrelated kind of to the series, but it's something to keep an eye on. Um, 
Christian Vasquez doesn't get much playing time here, and he hasn't had a single at bat in the uh, N, uh, excuse me, the uh, ALCS so far. And he's a guy who has experience against the Yankees. You know, he's seen them more than any other Astro. So uh, obviously, it wouldn't happen in the Verlander start because you know you're not going to mess with the uh, chemistry between Verlander and Maldonado. But but what makes it interesting here is. James Click is their top executive. He is their high bloom. And it's looking like he's either going to get fired or resign at the end of the year, regardless of what happens here. Because he's he butts heads with the owner and he butts heads with Dusty Baker. And I, I think the owner and Baker kind of have a, a rapport. And why I think all this is interesting is I think Click acquired Vasquez to use him in certain spots, and he's just not being able to do it because I I think the team is just so loyal to Maldonado, including Baker, and it's just crazy that the Astros gave up that package that they did for Vasquez, and he's not being utilized. So, um. Just something to keep an eye on. I'm steadfast in that. I don't think Vasquez is coming back next year to Boston. Here's the thing about Houston, and we can talk about it all we want. Houston's doing that where they're not using Christian Vasquez for anything. They're still up 2-0. They're still beating up on the Yankees. So whether whether you use them or you don't, it really hasn't mattered so far. I mean, against the Yankees, which maybe there's some insight that he's being able to offer by not being in the game, by being on the bench like, hey, so-and-so's pitching. This is the type of guy that when they get into this count, they like to throw this. How do you know that? Well, we face him 19 times a year. You know, like we know this team inside now. So maybe it's more someone being used along the lines of being able to provide intel on certain pitchers certain counts and things like that. I don't think Altuve's listening because Altuve's over 24. But for all these other folks that are, are seeming to do at the very least adequate, um, I, I really can't complain. I do hear what you're saying. I absolutely agree with you. But knowing what you know about Christian Vasquez, knowing what team he played for, knowing what teams are in that division – do you think it's possible that maybe he's just an intel provider at the pre- like the present moment, just telling people what they need to do or what they need to look out for? You don't need a scouting report. You have Christian Vasquez there. Yeah, I mean, he. I'm sure he is. I mean, I'm sure he's being a good soldier, but I, I also think he's got to be a little bit disappointed that you know he did have some postseason heroics last year. He might have hit a walk off. If it wasn't a walk off, it was a huge home run. I uh, forget which it was, but, um, but yeah, and, and he's won a ring. So, um, I just, I just think it's interesting. And, uh, you know, when the season ends, I I think he'll, uh, he'll open up about his Houston experience. I mean, you can rinse and repeat with Trey Mancini, same concept, right? Baltimore guy sees the Yankees all the time. Gave up a reasonable package to get him. True, and he's not in there. He he didn't play well uh, going down the stretch. I think he might have just barely hit uh, 200. Mm. And 
I'm bummed because I'm a big Trey Mancini guy. I think he's a hard guy to incredible you know, story. Right, right? Yeah, even Absolutely. as a division rival, you you just mm-hmm. can't help but love him. Yeah, I got his numbers right here. Oh, so he hit 180. No, excuse me, 176 with a 258 on base, eight home runs though uh, with the Astros, but just just wasn't just wasn't hitting it enough and. Uh, McCormick has been phenomenal, and um, Alvarez played, uh, what was it, the first game at least, in mm-hmm. the outfield. And then, uh, yeah, he's had a quiet series, so hopefully he gets it going. I, I mean, that's a good point, actually. Um, I didn't think of it like that. Where are you going to put Mancini in this lineup and in this in this field, right? Because you can't put him behind the dish anymore, and you're not going to you know, DH him in, in favor of some of those other bats. So that, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how. I'm not too familiar with Aledemus Diaz, but he if if Alvarez is DHing, then then Diaz is in left. So and but I, Mancini isn't quite uh, a great defender either. Let me pull up his D war. Aledemus Diaz is the Houston Astros version of Brock Holt. He's their Swiss Army knife. He plays gotcha. first, third, short, second in the outfield. He can literally do it all. Um, that's why he's there. If something goes down, something happens, you have someone that can can cover them. It's like the Yankees having Marwin Gonzalez, who can play the infield and play the outfield when uh oh my god, Aaron Hicks, like yeah. yeah, when he busted his knee or whatever he did, you know I don't know what it was. Whatever the injury was, I think it was his knee that like got clipped or whatever uh, on that play in in left field. It was a a question mark of who could we bring in. And Marwin Gonzalez is the first person I thought of just because whoever gets injured, he can play that position. I think the only thing he can't do is catch. Mm-hmm. And you need those guys, especially in the postseason. Uh, you never yeah. know what happens. Absolutely. I wish he could run, you know, like actually I don't. Cause that's, that's the last thing I want is to give Yankees a weapon, but um, you know, it, it is what it is. Every team's got a, a player that seems to, to do that. Uh, there's the Cardinals had a good one this year too. I can't think of his name. Um, but I mean, the, the Red Sox. The Red Sox have one. The Dodgers have one. Kike could play literally anywhere. The Dodgers have Chris Taylor that can literally play anywhere. So it's becoming a thing, a, a recurring trend that each team has a Swiss Army knife player that is trained to like to play all positions. Real quick, Mancini, sure. 0 for six in the Seattle series. Looks like he started two games, and uh, well, mm. some of that could have been the 18 in a game, but uh, and then. He was a negative uh, – well, he's been a negative D-war for three seasons in a row. Um, so there's just not a ton of uh, reasoning uh, for putting him in the lineup offensively or defensively. So, Did he make the roster? I couldn't remember. I didn't check. You know what? I, I didn't either. That's a good question. But he has not appeared in any game in any capacity Correct. in the league championship series here. So. As as you're looking up on a much less serious note, Anthony Rizzo is starting to bother me with the same likes of of Juan Soto with his batter's box antics. He, it, it's really starting to get on my nerves. Oh yeah, he was outside the batter's box on his strikeout in what the eighth or I think it was the eighth inning tonight. He had scooted all the way up to the front of the box, and by the time the pitch got to the to the plate, his right foot was already outside of the box. 
That as long as you, yeah, as long as, if I'm not mistaken, you can, you need to have at least one foot inside the box. The other foot can be on the line, but both feet have to be inside the box. His feet were not inside the box. Mm, something to watch out for. Something to watch out for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right on. Anything else you guys want to add before we wrap tonight? I think we're good. Right on. Well, I want to thank both of you gentlemen for joining me tonight after a very exciting roundup and close of game two in ALCS NLCS. Phillies are tied with the Padres and the Yankees are down two games to none. Have a great night, everyone. Take care.